Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros A's Game 4 postgame show. We'll do a little preview of the ALCS as well. And joining me as co-host and regular sidekick, fellow H-Town sports junkie, longtime journalist Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, the Astros are headed back to the League Championship Series again. And for the first time since last year, I can really see the joy back in the faces of these players. They finally look like the team we fell in love with. Well, and we've talked about this, I think, a couple of times during this postseason, Robert. It just seemed like the through the regular season, they just they didn't have that swagger. And they obviously didn't play like they had the swagger because they finished below 500. And I know the Astro haters are saying, well, you should thank Rob Manford that he expanded the playoffs because if they hadn't, the Astros would be sitting at home watching. You know, but no matter how you get there, you get there. And when you have the opportunities to get there, you take them. And then once you get them, it's what you do with them that matters. And uh, the Astros are certainly not the first team that, quote unquote, don't deserve to be there. But when you get those opportunities, you make the most of them. That's really what matters in the end. And that's exactly what the Astros have done. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Robert, I'm, and, and you are too. You're, I'm as big an Astro fan as anybody. But I certainly did not expect them to go this deep into the postseason after the regular season they had. But here they are, and I'm not going to say it's ho-hum that they're, you know, they're just going back to the ALCS like they always do. But it sure is a nice feeling. And in a year that has just been as crazy and as negative as it's been, we need some good news in Houston sports, don't we? Need some good news in anything. In anything. <laughs> yeah. We could just expand it to the whole thing and everything. Yeah. How how crazy would it be? How ironic would it be if the Astros could somehow play the Yankees and then the Dodgers in the World Series all over again? We could have a rerun of three years ago. You you couldn't get uh, the best Hollywood director, you know, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, whomever to write a better movie script than that. Now, could you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And and how much would the networks just love this scenario? Well, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Robert, but I, of course, I used to be so indignant of the national media and just people in general taking pot shots and poking fun at Houston teams. You know, but the Astros, of course, are now the villains of baseball and you know what? I, I really I'm to the point where I just don't really care because you know what? They're winning and that's all that matters. If they win the World Series and nobody likes it, too bad, because those of us in Houston or those of us who do follow the team, we're going to enjoy it, <laughs> whether whether the rest of the nation does or not. Yeah, I'm going to get to the, the good and bad in this uh, past series and just in general here as we move along. And, you know, Zach Granke, let's start off with him, which is the, the one sort of sour note that's going on right now. In his last nine outings, he hasn't given up less than three earned runs in any start. This goes back into the regular season. Really, those first five starts of the season, this is the last time we saw the Zach Greinke that you know we know as maybe a potential Hall of Famer. His ERA in the last nine outings, 5.73. Um, that was uh, during the regular season. It was 5.73. In the postseason, right. it's 5.19. So, you know, we're, we're roughly looking at a mid to upper five ERA. Uh, he can't continue to, Stephen, he can't continue to just give guys what pitches he's throwing. Maybe get, get rid of that part of your little uh, routine, I think. 
You know, there was some speculation of that first home run that he gave up to Loriano if he told him beforehand what pitch he's going to throw them. I mean, <laughs> what pitcher does that? I I, did, I know Grinky's a little quirky and all that, but but you know the results speak for themselves. And as you rightly pointed out, Robert, the results just haven't been great for him lately. But, you know, I guess the good news is that he was even able to pitch because without him, you are really thin in that starting rotation. And, and, you know, at least at the moment, he says he didn't experience or hasn't experienced any arm soreness, that he doesn't feel anything like that. But he really needs to elevate his game, you know, regardless of who the Astros face in in this next series. It's just we've got to have that old grinky back to where he will be effective or – it, it's going to be a very difficult road for the Astros to continue to move forward. Exactly. And let, let's look at some of the good things because while Granke, at least to me, looks at best like a fifth starter right now, it didn't matter in game four because the offense is all the way back. Listen to the Astros postseason numbers from their big hitters. Correa in the postseason, 500 average, 1,700 OPS, four home runs, 12 RBIs, Brantley, hitting 345 with a 1047 OPS. Kyle Tucker hitting 400. Yeah, Ted is Ted. And he's got an 800 <laughs> OPS. Uh, Bregman, 318 average, 944 OPS. That sounds like the Bregman that we know and love. Springer, 296, 877 OPS. Altuve, 273 average, 974 OPS. I love it. I love reading these off, Stephen. It's fun. <laughs> Are you sure you're not reading the the Astros offense of 2017 and 2018 cuz you know that that's what it's looking like to me Robert it's it, the old offense is back and I know that a couple of uh, different people I think have pointed out lately that this is kind of a at the time of the season you know under normal circumstances where batters have have had about 200 250 at bats you know, so it, 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 the fact that it's now the postseason, you know, we had that shortened season. You know, this is where some of these guys really start to heat up. You know, I'm thinking of Bregman in particular, who's such a slow starter. You know, this is the point where some of these guys are really starting to hit their stride. Well, that's good in this case because it's the postseason. It's not, you know, the it's not June or July of the regular season. This is where it really counts. It's where the rubber meets the road. And so it is a very good thing that the Astros offense has heated up the way it did. I just only wish we could they could stay in Dodger Stadium. They're still going to be in California, uh, but it's not going to be Dodger Stadium. So hopefully they can carry it over into San Diego. Yeah, and if you look at the Astros in those six games in the Dodgers series, Brantley, Altuve, and Springer all had two home runs. Uh, well, six games, I should say, in the playoffs. All of them had two home runs. Uh, and then the Astros scored 33 runs and 35 innings, 33 runs and 35 innings in the ALDS. Everybody except Yuli has put it all together. Two home runs for Brantley in that e- exciting game four. And, you know, he, without question, I think ignited the offense. You know, I was thinking as I watched him, Stephen, even with Hall of Famers like Bijou and Bagwell, potential future Hall of Famer like Altuve, uh, or an Astro who could have been a Hall of Famer without some injuries like Berkman, even with all the players I've watched over 40-plus years following the Astros, Uncle Mike has the most perfect swing. He does, and it's just really what it is, Robert. It's his consistency, I think, 
more than anything else. That that's what I like to see with Michael Brantley. You you know what you're going to get from him. I, if when he's in a batting slump, you hardly ever hear about it. I mean, every player goes through them, but it just seems with Michael Brantley, you just you forget about it because he he doesn't have these prolonged slumps where you're going, oh my goodness, is he is he losing his stride? Is he 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 is just the most consistent hitter that I have seen in a long time. And it, it starts with that swing that you just talked about, Robert. It, it's just, I think every team has to have that quote unquote quiet hero. Uh, you know, you, you have your star players and then you have the guys that are just as effective, but they're just, they're quieter about it. And Michael Brantley is that player for the Astros. Definitely. Carlos Correa, three run home run. Really? That was the, the big one, as much as anything, I mean, Brantley ignited everything, but Correa, that three-run bomb, which unfortunately I missed. Thank you, U-verse, for that. Uh, my U-verse went out right in the middle of, of that oh, at-bat. Oh, yeah. Love technology when it doesn't work for you, right? Uh, wow. It was terrible. And then Correa, five five home runs for him in, in 201 regular seasons at-bats, but Steven, four home runs in his first 18 postseason at bats. That's pretty nice. Boy, is it ever. You know, Robert, you remember when Jordan Alvarez first came up last year and it got to the point where when he came up to bat, you would stop what you were doing just to watch him at bat. I, I didn't know that I would say this, but at least during this postseason and certainly in this series, that's how I felt about Carlos Correa. I mean, of course, I was watching the game, you know, intently, you know, keeping up with it, but. It's almost like you've got to stop what you're doing now when Correa comes up to bat because you expect him to do something outstanding. Even when he doesn't hit a home run, he gets a single or even a ground ball is going to turn into an RBI or something is going to happen. So I guess right now, Carlos Correa has become the player. You just you got to stop and watch when he comes up to bat. And let's look at some of his really remarkable numbers historically because uh, 15 career postseason home runs. That's second among shortstops all time behind Derek Jeter's 20. No other shortstop has more than seven. So he's more than double any other shortstop. And how about this for some big time company? Here are the Astros playoff home run leaders overall. Uh, Springer leads all Astros in history with 17. Correa and Altuve are tied with 15. Bregman's third with 11. Carlos Beltran in that historic uh, one season run had eight and he's number four, but you know, these are the guys Steven ahead of Springer in all of baseball history with those 17 home runs. Uh, As far as postseason home runs, we're talking about. These are the names, Manny Ramirez, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Albert Pujols, Reggie Jackson, Mickey Mantle, not a bad list, but Steven, we still need to put a yellow highlighter over Mickey's name because Mantle only got World Series games in his own runs. That's it. Just World Series games. Well, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. And I guess the biggest surprise for me is Manny Ramirez. What is he at? 29? That's, wow. I, I just He would have been the last person I would have thought of that would have had that many. I mean, he, he, I knew he had a lot, but he's actually at the top of the list. Speaking of cheaters, hey. yeah there is that to consider so i thought of that too when i saw his name do i need to show spidey reddick a little love how big was that play boy i tell you what and and, you know we talk a lot about the offense but how about the defense coming through josh reddick and and we've said this more than once is that 
Josh, what Josh brings to the Astros is his defense. And he made that play. The ace could have gone up four to nothing. And who knows what would have happened if he hadn't made that play. And then you got to give kudos to Kyle Tucker for the play he made later in the game that could easily have put the A's right back in the game when the Astros had taken the lead. So two outstanding defensive plays really made the game just kind of turn in in the last game. And I mentioned this uh, a few pods ago, but I, I still don't get this idea late in games of moving Springer to right and bringing in Miles Straw. I, I, I don't know. It just... Uh, Greg Lucas, you know, friend of the show, he got on Twitter. He he thinks that's an upgrade defensively. I I feel like Springer from center field to right field is not much different. He's a, he's a really good outfielder in either position, and I think Reddick is a better right fielder than Miles Straw is a center fielder. And you know, there was the play. You remember the play where Straw's racing? When this is after he comes in and. Almost gets the ball because of his speed, but the ball goes off of his glove. I, I don't know if Springer gets there or not, but how many times have you ever seen Springer like drop a ball that hits his, his, hits his glove? I said that just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. I mean, I, I don't know. That would have been a tough catch. I, I wondered as soon as he made that play or, or didn't make that play, the first thing that popped into my mind as well, I wonder if Springer could have gotten there. It's, it's not always about speed, Robert. Speed is great. You know, it, it's great when you're on the base paths. It's great when you're in the outfield. But it's also instincts and timing. It, you you have to have, you know, well, you call it a ball hog. You, you've got to be that. And Miles Straw just isn't that. And, uh, you know, we just talked about what great defense Reddick does play in right field most of the time. So I, I don't know what Dusty's thinking is. I, I guess, you know, only he knows. But that that play with Straw, I mean, it's it's hard to blame him completely. But at the same time, it's just the fact that it's a little disturbing that Apparently, that's what Dusty wants to do late in games is put him in the outfield simply because of his speed. He has not proven that he's a great defensive outfielder because his speed alone is not going to help him get there. And to be clear, I'm not blaming him for dropping the ball because that was a tough play. No, 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 it was a tough play. But it's just the I think it's the the long term idea that this is apparently what Dusty's strategy is going to be late in games. Christian Javier and Noli Paredes and Blake Taylor have each pitched in three postseason games. The Astros' three rookies have a zero ERA. Paredes has a whip of zero. Nada. None. (laughs) Oh, that's a good thing. (laughs) It means he's not giving up runs. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's interesting too, Robert, and this has come out. I've I've seen it on Twitter and, you know, and some of the commentators have mentioned it. These young guys, these young pitchers the Astros have, have actively made it clear they want the ball they they aren't shying away they they don't care if this is the postseason they don't care if these are big moments they want the ball and that is the first step if if you're going to be a great player in any sport you've got to want the ball when the game is on the line when there is pressure and none of these young guys are shying away from that so to me that's as much a, a big thing as as anything that these Astros pitchers they're they're willing to jump in there and they're taking advantage of these big moments. They they may not always look dominant. You know, they, they have some shaky moments. I think Christian Javier kind of, it looked like he was running out of gas a little bit there toward the end of game four. But man, when they get in there, they get the job done. And that's all you can ask, really. And what you just said, I, I wondered why he didn't come out of the game. 
uh, in that last inning that, that Dusty brought him out because he, you know, he had struggled a little bit the previous inning and you could f- feel like he was running out of gas. And that goes back to Dusty. And I, I, I got a Dusty question for you, Stephen. Uh, what do you do if you're Dusty? Do you go with only four starters and pitch everybody on three days rest in this Yankees series? Or should you make Christian Javier a starter uh, and, and, and make him the fifth starter? What do you do? Well, it's a hard question to ask, Robert. And unfortunately, it kind of depends on what happens with each game. But, you know, the, the thing is, now that you're in a best of seven and there's no off days, uh, which just I, I just don't think I like this format. I mean, I think you've got to have as much from your starters as you can get. I mean, I, I think you've got to make him a fourth starter. But again, it's just going to depend on on what happens. But you know, bringing pitchers back on short rest, I I don't know how you can really do that when when you're doing them, stringing them all in a row, and now you're into a best of seven. So it's going to make it even that much harder to do your rotation and to to use the people you have in your bullpen. Stephen, there's a long history of failure when you look at starting pitchers on three days rest. We saw it last year with Verlander. Most of these guys just too young or in McCullers case too injury prone. That's why I don't know if I'm, I'm really into doing it on three days rest. I'm kind of wondering since Javier has been so valuable out of the pen though, is there any way you trust Luis Garcia as an option to start a game? I'd consider it. If nothing else, I'd go to him before Josh James in a middle inning situation. If you are going to use Javier as a fifth starter. Yeah, I don't know if I would do Luis Garcia as a starter just because of he's got such a small sample size, but I certainly think he would be an option out of the bullpen. And the way Josh James has been pitching, I mean, if I used him at all, I would just make him one inning later in a game. That just seems to be, be when he's been most effective, when he has been effective, but that's about as far as I would go with him. A little love I've got to give to Lance McCullers, the person because Astros pitcher Brandon Bailey said on Twitter, quote, after each game of the ALDS, the taxi squad, myself included, have been going out and getting our work in. And we forget about that, of course, Stephen, with all the other stuff going on. But, you know, with with COVID and everything, there's the taxi squad. And Bailey said, today after the series win, McCullers came out during our workout and congratulated every single one of us on a great team accomplishment. Met a lot. Great teammate, exclamation point. Well, I know we, you know, we've had our issues with Lance as far as how he pitches, but he's a team guy. He is he's definitely one that makes his opinion heard, makes his voice heard, and that, you know, what a great gesture that is. And I think that, you know, the a lot of these Astros young guys, they've had the benefit of Lance McCullers and just some of these other players, you know, when Justin Verlander was there, however brief that may have been, you know, to, to have these guys to look up to that that means so much in their development, not just from their physical skills, but mentally as well. Yeah, it's stuff like that that just kind of rubs off on everybody. And you love having so many of these guys for chemistry reasons in the clubhouse. Uh, how about this? The Astros make it to the ALCS for the fourth straight year, which is so amazing when you think about it, because the Astros had only made it four times in the entire history before this four-year run. Uh, most of you should know this, but 1980, 1986, 2004 and 2005 were the years they became the fifth team ever to make four consecutive LCSs joining the early seventies A's the early nineties Braves, the 98 to 01 Yankees. Of course, a lot of us remember that run and the 
11 to 14 Cardinals from just a few years ago. And it kind of gets lost a little bit, but that Cardinals run was pretty good. Quick question, Stephen. Do you want to play the Yankees or the Rays? As we're recording this on Friday morning, we don't know yet. No, we don't know yet uh, because their game five is going to be later today when this comes out. And uh, Garrett Cole is going to be getting the ball. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch. I don't know. I, You know, part of me wants the Yankees just because that's what everybody else wants. And they've been just as vocal about the Astros cheating as uh, the Dodgers and the A's and so many of the other teams. Because what a great series it would be just from, from the buzz standpoint. Uh, you know, really, Robert, when you get this far, there is no easy opponent. There's no easier opponent. You can't because you can't honestly say, well, I'd rather have the Rays because they're they're not quite as storied as the Yankees and, uh, you know, uh, this, that, and the other. Hey, the Rays are tough. I mean, they've gotten this far. And if they do beat the Yankees in that game five, it, it's going to be, you know, they, they didn't get there just for luck. So I think when you get this far, it really is just whoever it is. You better be ready for it. Uh, but I, I have to admit, part of me kind of wants the Yankees because yeah, from an Astros fan standpoint, wouldn't you love to stick it to them just one more time? Yeah, I think a lot of Astros fans would look forward to that. But it's really interesting because this game five that's happening tonight as you and I are speaking, did you notice the winner take all game five in the ALDS is once again Tyler Glasnow versus Garrett Cole? How interesting is that? Uh, you know, and, and that's what the Yankees got Cole for. And the Astros fans certainly know what a gamer he is. So I, I know I'm going to be glued to that game. Quick note on a Yankees matchup. Since Garrett Cole's pitching Friday night, he can either pitch game four against the Astros on full rest. And then he'd only get two days off the pitch in game seven. So really, you only get a really strong Garrett Cole once if the Astros face the Yankees. Or the other option they, they could they could use is he could start games three and seven on short rest. So maybe you want the Yankees because they don't have their big gun except for maybe one game of this entire series. Well, and, and you know, again, that that's where this uh, no off days thing kind of plays in. And the fact that, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, the game five with the Yankees is on Friday. And then you jump right into the ALCS on Sunday. I mean, the Astros... I couldn't tell you how relieved I was, Robert, that they at least took game four, because if it had gone to a game five, that means you only have one day off in between the end of a series and the start of the ALCS. And that's what the Yankees are facing. So that's going to play into it, too, is the the Yankees aren't going to have much time off at all one day. And then they jump into the ALCS. So it is really going to be interesting to see how both managers, you know, whoever, whether it's the Rays or the Yankees against the Astros, and Dusty do this pitching rotation and uses the bullpen going forward. If you want the Astros to win, though, I kind of think you want Tampa Bay because, you know, again, the Yankees, they're still loaded. Their offense has just been a juggernaut in the postseason for the most part. But the other part about this is if you face Tampa Bay, the Astros general manager was with that organization for 15 years. I think he knows them a little bit. We might have a little bit of an advantage as far as scouting goes. Well, you would think, and that, that's one of the things I thought of as, wow, wouldn't it be kind of cool? I mean, it's obviously a very sub plot that uh, James Click, in his first year as GM of the Astros, going against his old team, but, you know, when when it comes down to it, it's, it's really what happens on the field. Now, I agree with you. I guess 
you could be somewhat secure, feeling like uh, the Astros are a better matchup against the Rays. But don't forget what they did last year in the ALDS. They were down 2-0, but came back and made it a series. So who knows? It'd be a seven-game series if they faced him in this case. So it wouldn't be easy. But, you know, I guess there's a part of you that kind of would be somewhat relieved that it's not the Yankees. But the way the Rays have played the Yankees, it, it does give you some hope that, you know, maybe the, the Yankees aren't the old Yankees like they used to be. That that mystique of the pinstripes, it doesn't always come through for them. This is also interesting because if we play the Yankees, you got to figure we're going to see a ton of night games. You know the networks want some night games. It's really weird because you got the Astros and the Yankees, which are Central and East Coast teams, but they're playing in a West Coast ballpark while you've got on the other end the Dodgers and the Braves that you got the Dodgers that's a big West Coast team, of course, and they're going to be playing in the central time zone. I, you know, I, I kind of think I don't know what they're going to do, but I, it feels like if, if it's the Astros and Yankees, you're going to have to play them uh, for the night game a lot of time. And, and I bring that up because the series is going to be at Petco Park, Stephen, and with games at night and in Petco, the ball is not going to be flying out of the park the way it was at Dodgers Stadium, I don't think. No, I was thinking about the very same thing, Robert, is that, you know, I think small ball is going to come into play a little bit more. And a lot of those fly balls that you held your breath with at Dodger Stadium uh, aren't going to carry quite as well at Petco, especially, as you said, if it is at night. And and I tend to think they will be. You know they're going to be later in the day just because they're in California. But if it's the Yankees, yeah, it's probably going to be more night games. And we know that if, you know, getting ahead of myself here, but if the Astros did get to the World Series, the World Series games are at night. I, I for one, kind of miss World Series Day baseball, but that's you know apparently it's a thing of the past. Is there any angle that we've missed in this one as far as the Dodgers series or, or looking ahead to the ALCS? Anything else that uh, I haven't mentioned? No, I, I think it's just that, you know, it, it's cool that the Astros have gotten this far. You know, like I said, I, you know, a lot of people didn't want it to happen, but here it is. And it's just you, you just got to ride the wave no matter who they play. You just you got to ride the wave and, and be happy of the momentum that they have, because it, it, as we've seen so often in sports, a team catches fire. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. And that's 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 one of the things that just kind of pulls me in and keeps me interested in sports. So let's just enjoy what we have. I, I will say this, Robert, as I, I I didn't pick the Astros to beat the Twins and I didn't pick them to beat the A's. So you think I should, you know, change my tune and uh, pick them in the next series, no matter who they play? No, or, no, I mean, yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to pick the. <laughs> I'm either going to pick the Yankees or the Rays in six. Okay, so I might as well just keep the momentum going that way. And the one thing I, I think we just we got to really appreciate because I mentioned it earlier with Javier Paredes, Blake Taylor. These guys are rookies. I mean, you know, I you say whatever you want to about. Well, this is the same old Astros. You got so many guys the Astros are depending on that they've never depended on. You got those guys. You got Andre Scrub is also a rookie. Uh, Fromber, who hasn't been in any of the Astros postseasons, he didn't pitch last year, right? No, not at, not that I can recall. I mean, he certainly, and it's not even about being a rookie. It's just his ineffectiveness in recent years. Yeah, no, he's not. Valdez is not officially a rookie, but no, he he. You know, this is not somebody that you've seen. Over the past years with the Astros, uh, you've got Brooks Raley, who's somebody that was uh, uh, on the trash heap, you know, and, and pitching in 
Korea or whatever, and, 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 and that's somebody that the Astros are depending on. There, there is no Verlander and Garrett Cole. This is not a bunch of behemoths and Osuna that everybody hated because of what he did. This is a bunch of guys that I, I think people aren't going to recognize around baseball except for you know the, the, the mainstays in the lineup. But the pitching, it's, it's a different ball club. And, and if people are just tuning in, you know, for the first time with this American League Championship Series, this isn't the same Astros, Stephen, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think everybody just assumes it's the same old guys because you see Springer and Altuve and Bregman and Crit. Those guys are definitely all back. But the the pitching staff, it, it, it's brand new guys. And it's so cool because so many of these guys, you know, are, are just rookies and guys that I think, you know, either they people gave up on or never really thought would amount to anything potentially. <laughs> Well, and it's historic, Robert. I mean, we've never seen something like this before. We've obviously never had a season like what we've had in 2020 with the circumstances behind it. But my goodness, I mean, from the Astros standpoint, certainly you've never seen these this many young guys being put in situations like this. And it can only help them moving forward. You know, the, the greatest story would be if every single one of these guys went on to have great careers. I think if you have to be realistic – you'd have to say that's probably not the case. Some of these guys is probably going to peak. They may not quite come back the next year or the year after that way, but you, you can hope. And I'll tell you something else, Robert, and we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you have to credit the experience of people like Martin Maldonado, who's been so good with these pitchers. We talk a lot about his defense behind the plate, and and rightfully so. But the mental part of the game, he just adds so much to, you know, he gets on these young guys when they don't quite bring it. Or he he just, he knows how to talk to them. The, the pitcher-catcher relationship, I think, is often underestimated in sports. I even wrote an article about it several years ago, uh, talking to a former major league catcher about that. It is so important to have some uh, people like Martin Maldonado and then Brent Strom. You know, we've said over and over what a great pitcher whisperer he is. So, you know, having guys like that is such a benefit to these young guys and helping develop their confidence and just keep their skills as, as good as they've been. The irony is with all these young pitchers, the guys that I worry about most going into this series, Stephen, are the veterans. Lance McCullers, Zach Granke, Ryan Presley. Get it together. Those guys didn't look all that great in the last round. Yeah, how weird is that, that your young guys, you know, some of your young guys are outperforming veterans who – you know, in some cases are Hall of Fame worthy or at least good pitchers. So it's, you know, Joe Gargiola wrote a book once many years ago that baseball is a funny game. And yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's a very funny game. You just never know what to expect. Also want to congratulate the Houston Cougars who finally got to play a game after all this time. Not only did they win, but outscored Tulane 42-14 uh, in the first, after that, you know, those first three quarter turnovers to score 49 to 21, but it was much more dominant of performance once they got the cobwebs, cobwebs out with the turnovers after having not played in almost 10 months. They had 265 more total yards than Tulane. And it's not like Tulane's been struggling, Stephen. They were 2-1 and one with a close loss to Navy. So this isn't like the Tulane team of years past. Yeah, it is interesting. I had, but the way the game started out, you thought, uh-oh, are we seeing these same old Cougars from last year because of a boy, three turnovers. I think they had four in the entire first half. They they had a 27-yard punt that gave Tulane great field position that they ended up taking advantage of. 
But boy, what a turnaround. I mean, it was an exciting game to watch. And, you know, like you said, I, mean, I think the Cougars and all their fans were just glad they were able to play a game. So that was good to see. But it, it was exciting to, to at least see U of H get a win. Just excited to see him get out on the field. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That, I, guess, I think that's kind of what I meant is that they even played a game at all. So uh, Astros and either the Yankees or Tampa Bay and the ALCS, oh, looking forward to all that. If you got somebody out there that's a sports fan, let them know. We're, we're doing post-game shows with the Astros as this whole thing's going along. So, you know, you little need a little quick uh, Astros hit, a little pick-me-up for some of these games. Uh, definitely you want to tune in. Sunday we've got our typical Texans post-game show without Bill O'Brien, which is yeah. exciting. How about that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, don't forget, you can message us uh, through Facebook. Email us, info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Uh, obviously, Twitter as well. Uh, stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.